Hey there, I'm Victoria, and welcome to the Choose to Think podcast. The 15th most popular psalm is Psalm 31, and in a nutshell, it's a song of complaint and praise, as subtitled in the NASB. As we examine this psalm, we can study the way that David did this, and then apply this technique to our own lives. David historically was persecuted by Saul. He was treated wrongly, shamed by his enemies, he was slandered, all of which had the potential to steal his joy and his peace. But he had this unique expressive technique in his writing time and time again, where he switched his complaint to praise. He almost always ends all his Psalms reaffirming God's character and amazing goodness. It sounds simple, but it does require persistence and endurance. And I'm gonna share a story or two of personal quote victimization from theft and persecution if you will from the enemy of myself so stay tuned but first a quick announcement I'm so excited to share a new adventure that I've been working on for quite a while. I just launched the Choose to Think Merch and More Biz, where you can purchase mainly t-shirts at this point to support faith-based thinking. That's right. I've created t-shirt designs, many that are to accompany each podcast every week. And these designs... I want you to feel empowered, and I hope that these messages serve as a reminder to choose your thoughts, emotions, attitudes, and mindsets wisely each day. I also have a choose to think on the lighter side, so maybe some funny teas over there about things that we might be choosing. But remember, our thoughts take up mental real estate. They're not just little particles floating around in the air. They're made of chemicals, and they shape and form our brains. Scientists say that we think more than 60,000 thoughts every day. Some scientists even say it's up to 80,000. Well, the Bible tells us to take our thoughts captive, to give thanks in everything, and to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. These are my podcast theme verses and why I even started the ministry in the first place. Okay, so what's all this have to do about clothing? Well, why not wear what we mean? I mean, what we wear says it all, right? Anyway, visit my site on Teespring, Teespring where I'm loading new designs weekly. Tell me which one is your favorite. I can tell you that the t-shirt pin that generated over 8.6 thousand views on Pinterest is I Choose Hope Today perfect for this season. Well, the t-shirt messages are designed to promote conversation with folks around you, and they're meant for you to turn your thoughts to God's truths. What does it mean to choose hope today? Well, it means that I'm intentional about my mindsets and emotions. I'm choosing to put my hope in God, to wear it, to keep my eyes on Him. Then during the day, if I feel pressed or a bit discouraged, I can remind myself to pivot toward the hope that is found in Him. And maybe someone will see your t-shirt and find some sort of reassurance as well if they're having a hard day. Anyway, come on over. Please let me know what you think. I'd love to hear your feedback. And guess what? I have a promo code for all my listeners to save five bucks on your first purchase. You can get the promo code in the show notes. Plus, I've designed a special tea to represent the theme of today's show. And it's this one. I choose to praise today. Will you help me get the word out by liking and sharing today's episode or maybe the link to one of the t-shirts that you like on social media? Maybe you can send the link to a friend in a text or an email. I would really appreciate this. Okay, now on with the show. 
Years ago, my family lived out on a 20-acre farm in Franklin County, Kentucky, and this place felt so peaceful, like a little piece of heaven. There was one gravel road leading up to a barn, which was owned by our neighbor, toward the back side of our property. And it also, this lane ran parallel to our lane, which was about the size of two football fields, maybe. And their, their lane ran for the length of ours. Anyway, it was a rather secluded little niche that we had found. Our dream was for living off the land a bit and having a place where our kiddos could run free in the fresh air and without worry of cars or passersby. The property was a significant financial investment for a growing family, and we were very careful about our finances. And you know how moving is. There's stuff everywhere. You empty boxes, move stuff around, find a place for stuff. You're cleaning like crazy. It's such a hectic, stressful, but kind of exciting time as well. But it's also expensive. Well, not long after we moved in, we purchased a brand new John Deere riding lawnmower as there was considerable grass around the house to mow for a finer cut than the tractor might offer. And the property had a couple of run-in sheds and a garage, and we pulled this fancy new mower, a real toy, right, into one of the run-ins. Fall was coming on shortly after our move-in, and we decided to get out of Dodge and do something fun. So we opted to make a day of it and took the kids to the Cincinnati Zoo. We were gone for the entire day, returning at dusk. It was the next day that we discovered that someone had stolen our new mower. Yep. We could see exactly where their truck tires left tracks. They had backed their truck onto a, this kind of steep incline where the lane actually makes a circle. And they let down the tailgate of their truck so that it would rest on the side of the slanted land area. And they quite simply, I would assume, pushed them over directly onto the back of the truck. It might have taken them all of five minutes to do this, counting, driving up and back our lane. So in a split second, we were victims of theft. Our notion of a quaint and idyllic place and, you know, a piece of heaven was shattered. Well, how do people feel when they've been robbed? We feel, we felt violated in shock, anger. We were, you know, uh, fearful a, a bit. Helplessness is also common. Guilt, panic. All these feelings can turn to grief, sadness, despair, distrust, and vulnerability. And depending on the nature of the theft, some folks even struggle with depression, anxiety attacks, and the like. Well, it really gave us a heads up that our green acres would need greater vigilance. I think we could all say that we've been robbed at some point in our lives. Once, someone stole our old 10-speed bike that was chained... Um, in a UK student apartment complex when my ex-husband and I were university students. Another time, years later, I'd been teaching night classes at our local community college. And my classes ended at nine. And on that, on one particular night, I had to make exam copies for the next class, you know, like the next day. So I must have been, it must have been close to 10 before I walked outside to the dimly lit expansive parking lot. And get this, as I was walking the 50 yards or so to get to my van, I noticed little piles of glittering green glass. And I, I, I wondered, I didn't know what it was, but it was on the asphalt next to a whole bunch of cars that were still parked there. But then there were also, it was also scattered throughout the lot. And I thought, what is that? Did someone have some kind of party uh, where they were like smashing glass bottles around the lot? What, what's going on here? And I, as I approached my van, I thought, gosh, they threw it really close to my car too. Okay, you probably already have caught on what was happening, but needless to say, when I got there, I realized that the driver's side window on my van was completely busted out. Of course, I immediately recognized what had happened, and some thief or a band of them had come through this lot at this late hour, and they'd broken into quite a few cars, and this was next to the Commonwealth uh, 
stadium. Well, it was Commonwealth then. I don't know what they call it now, but it was the football stadium, right? So it was this huge lot. And they they just, you know, ripped their way through there. Well, okay, so I'm ashamed to say that I was in the habit of tucking my purse beneath my driver's seat. Yeah, there I said it. I mean, come on. I was always carrying bags and pulling a mini office as I ran to class. That's the life of an adjunct instructor, right? So plus, you know, my windows were tinted. So I reasoned that this offered a bit more security. And I drove a mommy van, safe, right? Well, they took my purse, but all they wanted was the cash. I had books of stamps in there, gift cards, of course, credit cards, but they only took the cash. So guess how much I actually had? A whopping $3 and some odd change. Okay, so, oh, frustrating. I drove 30 minutes to get home that night and I was definitely in shock. I felt violated. Plus it was a bit cold and the reverberation inside my van from that completely opened, you know, totally down window. It was just, it was so, it was stifling to my ears. It felt like such a lonely drive back. You know, at this point in my life, I was a believer and I had to process what God had allowed in my in, to happen in my life. The next morning, I called the church to pray for me and to help me figure out the check number of the last check I'd written because I thought, okay, that's the last one I could remember. I put a stop on all my accounts, canceled all my credit cards, tried to figure out what to do to get a new license, all that jazz. As it turned out, this group of robbers, police suspected that it was a band of kids looking for drug money. They, they had thrown all the purses and belongings near a dumpster at the Greg Page Apartments on campus. So thankfully, I was able to retrieve most of the stuff inside my purse as well as my purse, it doesn't, you know, as my purse itself. So, you know, at least I had that to got my purse back, right? Okay, so how does all this, all these stories relate to Psalm 31? Well, let me share how I connect the dots. But before we go on, let's take a quick break from our sponsor. In Psalm 31, David was persecuted by Saul, fearing for his very life. His enemy was hot and was hot on his heels for sure. Enemy persecution nowadays can take many shapes and sizes. For me personally, I've been rattled and violated in other ways as a Christian living in this 21st century in the U.S. Even the definition of the word persecution is related to mistreatment, theft, and abuse. Although in all three stories I just shared, there was an actual perpetrator. The victimization was otherwise random, not as in David's life. In other words, thieves and robbers had their minds on objects. a mower, a bike, and money, not me as a person. But there's also another enemy, a spiritual one. I always call him the enemy of my soul, who does have his eyes on me. He fights his battles in my mind, and I must train myself to be on guard and ready every single day, virtually every moment. The overall war result, as we know, is a net positive. The battle really is God's. Yet there are things I can do to take my stand emotionally and spiritually to battle up and be ready. Some of this involves my thoughts, and this is where we can learn something from King David. So how did did I approach God after those thieves broke into my car and stole my purse? Well, of course I came to him with complaint. I mean, come on. Sometimes don't you think, well, why, Lord? I mean, why? Why, Lord? Yeah, me too. I mean, you know, we're doing life, trying to do everything, quote, right and proper and out of left field, bam. We may may feel forgotten by God. And then there's an uprising in our souls of brokenness, grief, distress, troubles, and anxiety. And where do we 
put all this. And first, let me say that I know some of you have experienced victimization, even persecution in far more serious ways than these examples that I've shared in my life. Your life may be much more like David's than mine. This podcast has been heard now in 21 countries, some of which are not Christian friendly. You may be especially encouraged by how David dealt with persecution and trial. And let me confess also that sometimes I read the Psalms and all that David went through and I think, ah, you know, but that was David. He had God in such a powerful way, maybe like that I don't. You know, he slew the giant Goliath. He was king. He was brave. He led armies. He was mighty. I mean, times were different then and I can kind of discount his very real experiences. But the Psalms really do bring his experiences and emotions to life. And when I dig really deep and, and or deeply and went, I find that they offer me a way to take a peek into the many hardships that he suffered in his life. And then I can get a close-up view of exactly how David processed his feelings and reactions. And then I can find the application to my own life. In Psalm 31, David showed his confidence in God. He longed for God's help. He exalts in the mercy that he knows God will show. He prays during his trial, and then he praises God for his goodness. So think about that for just a second. David never gets stuck in his complaint. He quite nearly always has a way of switching to praise. And look, when we hit troubles, we can do the very same. It's the process that I describe with the five R's of overcoming thinking that's become toxic for us. And by the way, you can snag a gazillion free worksheets and downloadables to help you process your thoughts on my website at victoriadwalker.com. Okay, I have to make sure that the process I take comes full circle and that I don't get stuck along the way, which can leave me spinning my wheels. For example, we all may do a great job at capturing our thoughts and recognizing we're heading in the wrong direction but we may not do the greatest job resisting our own flesh or those worldly influences or even that enemy of our souls who may be throwing darts our way, trying to undermine our faith and the assurances that we have in Christ. We may not do the best job replacing those toxic thoughts with God's truth and then walking with a renewed mind. Sometimes after we've been traumatized, we never quite let go of the victim card that we kind of tuck away in our back pocket. We play that card a lot in our minds, drawing it out as if it's the supreme trump card in the game of life. This victim card drips of bitterness and resentment and smacks of nothing more than self-focus and self-pity. There I said it. But listen, I should know because I held that card for quite a while. Not exactly for the stories I told today, but over more emotionally painful moments in my life. And I'm delighted to say that there is room for complaint and processing of our emotions. As Christians, we are human beings. We can pour out our souls to God. But He, God, does not allow us to stay the victim for long. He moves us on toward joy, peace, and wisdom as we learn from our life experiences. And this really is the process that David applied during his trial, while he is most likely being persecuted by King Saul. As I read the psalm, see if you can find David doing all these things. He pours out his soul, acknowledges his need for God, remembers God's mercy, and ultimately thanks God for his great and mighty goodness. David goes from complaint to praise over his life situation. And can we do the same? Also, try to listen for round about the middle of the psalm, verse 14 or so, when David does what I call a mental switchback, where his complaint actually becomes his praise for the most part. He switches his mind's gears here, not focusing so much on himself, but more on God, his qualities and traits. And you may hear these types of words referring 
referring to God. Loving kindness, trust, goodness, refuge. You are my God, that declaration, and then strength. In his hoping, David finds courage to go on, trusting God even when bad things happen to him. That's the kind of relationship I want to have with my Savior. Let's listen. Psalm 31, the NASB version. In you, O Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be ashamed. In your righteousness, deliver me. Incline your ear to me. Rescue me quickly. Be to me a rock of strength, a stronghold to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. For your name's sake, you will lead me and guide me. You will pull me out of the net which they have secretly laid for me. For you are my strength. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have ransomed me, O Lord God of truth. I hate those who regard vain idols, but I trust in the Lord. I will rejoice and be glad in your loving kindness, because you have seen my affliction. You have known the troubles of my soul, and you have not given me over into the hand of the enemy. You have set my feet in a large place. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eye is wasted away from grief, my soul and my body also. For my life is spent with sorrow and my years with sighing. My strength has failed because of my iniquity and my body has wasted away. Because of all my adversaries, I have become a reproach, especially to my neighbors and an object of dread to my acquaintances. Those who see me in the street flee from me. I am forgotten as a dead man, out of mind. I am like a broken vessel, for I have heard the slander of many. Terror is on every side. While they took counsel together against me, they schemed to take away my life. But as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and from those who persecute me. Make your face to shine upon your servant. Save me in your loving kindness. Let me not be put to shame, O Lord, for I call upon you. Let the wicked be put to shame. Let them be silent in Sheol. Let the lying lips be mute, which speak arrogantly against the righteous with pride and contempt. How great is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you, which you have wrought for those who take refuge in you before the sons of men. You hide them in the secret place of your presence from the conspiracies of man. You keep them secretly in a shelter from the strife of tongues. Blessed be the Lord, for he has made marvelous his loving kindness to me in a besieged city. As for me, I said in my alarm, I am cut off from before your eyes. Nevertheless, you heard the voice of my supplications when I cried to you. Oh, love the Lord, all you his godly ones. The Lord preserves the faithful and fully recompenses the proud doer. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who hope in the Lord. And this is the word of the Lord. Hey, did you also catch verse five? That's echoed by Jesus as he hung on the cross. It's from Luke 23, verse 46, quote, then Jesus called out in a loud voice, father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And when he had said this, he breathed his last, end quote. This is a gentle reminder that there is nothing that can separate us from God's love and care, from his promises and protection. It all may not look like what we imagine, you know, our life, but God has ransomed us from this life on earth that can be riddled with troubles. 
His own son was persecuted beyond what we could ever imagine, really. Did Jesus pick up the quote victim card? No, never. I mean, he did have one moment as he hung on the cross, because remember, he was not only fully God, but he was also fully human, where he expressed himself like this. And I'm paraphrasing. He said something like, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He felt abandoned. But later, the apostle Paul would write this about Jesus in Hebrews 12, 2 through 3. Two, three, two and three of, of the NIV talking about this. And he gives us a different perspective of Jesus's experience on the cross. Quote, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, considered him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart, end quote. Jesus endured the cross. He endured the opposition. But what melts our heart is that he underwent persecution, crucifixion on your behalf and on mine. Do you know this Savior? Do you know this someone who so intimately enters into our world, our 21st century lives, and extends his hand to us in a remarkable, immeasurable show of love? If God's eye is on the sparrow, how much more is it on you? What lies are you believing about who you are in Christ? Are you holding on to bitterness or anger over a violation you experienced in the past? Could it be time to let go and to turn your complaint to praise? The enemy of your soul is called a liar. He's called a thief. And he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He never, and I mean never, wants you to turn your complaint to praise. He reminds you instead over and over and over again that you are the victim. And this victim card is like a false security blanket. It may bring us momentary comfort and justification, but in the end, it's just a token of idolatry because it keeps the injustice done to us on the throne of our hearts and minds. And that is where God should be seated. You've heard it said, the battlefield is in the mind, yet God provides an avenue for overcoming victimization, however extreme. He sends that scarlet thread of hope and joy and truth, and if you grab hold of it, you can change your complaint to praise. Is it time to resist this enemy today? To throw that victim card in front of God and say, here. Here it is. I don't want it anymore. I want to play a new game of endurance. I want to be the one who has eyes fixed on Jesus, through whom I can find eternal salvation, lasting joy, and the hope to help me endure my days on this earth. Now, listen, I won't even pretend to tell you that I know how this miracle works. All I know is that when we call out to God with sincerity of heart and mind, sometimes even in our brokenness, we ask for his help. When we admit and confess our sins, giving thanks for this wonderful gift we've been given via Jesus's crucifixion. And when our heart and our minds cross paths, and then we elect to choose to believe in Jesus Christ, God's only son given to us, then somehow, somehow then, the miracle occurs and it can happen for you. And look, if you have doubts about the veracity of the Bible, trust me, your mind can catch up to your heart. 
At least it did for me. You know, I was saved. I believed, but I had a boatload of questions as a baby believer. But over the years, my understanding has grown and deepened as I've made a life pursuit to get to know God more and more. Even in all my pitiful attempts, God remains the same. A loving Father, a grace-giving Son, and a comforting Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, I pray now for that one listener who does not know you personally, who may be suffering from wounds even their closest friends and family members are unaware of. Would you whisper to that person? Would you make yourself known to them as they've never experienced before? Would you tender their heart to yours and let them know in this very moment just how much you love them and how much you want to offer them forgiveness, hope, freedom, and peace? draw their hearts to yours. Help them to understand that the trials they face in this life may just be a means to help them pivot toward you for help. And I also pray for that one believer, that one listener who feels battle weary. Teach them to turn their exhaustion, their anxiety and distress into praise by taking any toxic thoughts captive, replacing these thoughts with your truth, and then walking refreshed and with a renewed mind. Strengthen your servants. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And there you have it, another episode in the books. Remember to snag your promo code for a C2T t-shirt today. And if you've enjoyed this message, please share it with a friend. And until next time, Dios primero y que Dios te bendiga. Chao.